Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. But let's just take just the feasts, since we're studying the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. And let's see how Jesus fulfilled these. First feast, there's the Feast of Passover. It celebrated the past in the Passover land that was slain that freed the people from Egypt. When they smeared the blood on their doorposts, the, the children of Israel were saved and the Israelites were set free from bondage in Egypt and they were taken to the promised land. Everyone who had the blood on their doorposts, Jesus came as our Passover lamb. He was a lamb without spot, without blemish. He was a lamb that was inspected by the priest, just like the real or the physical Passover lamb would have had to have been. The scripture says that no bone in his body was broken, just like the Passover lamb had to be. Jesus fulfilled that picture. Now, here's what's amazing, and think about this just for a moment. In Leviticus 23, you can read this later on, read the whole chapter about all of these feasts. In Leviticus chapter 23, it says that these feasts are to be holy convocations unto the Lord. Now, that word convocation in the Hebrew, it's translated this. It's translated rehearsal. So what God is saying is all of these feasts, these are rehearsals. I'm giving these to you so that you recognize that there's something that's going to come that's the real deal. You're rehearsing with these feasts, but the feasts are going to be fulfilled. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled those feasts. No longer a rehearsal. Are you following me? So the first one is Passover. The second one is the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the day after Passover. And what the Israelites would do is they would go throughout their house and they would take all of the leaven out of their home. And this would symbolize and signify the fact that when they left Egypt, they left with haste. They didn't have time to leaven their bread. And Jesus himself said that he is the bread of life and he was sinless. He is the fulfillment of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Do you see? The next feast, the feast of first fruits. We already spoke briefly about this. They would bring their first harvest to the Lord, and this commemorated the passing from Egypt and into the promised land through the Red Sea. And God told the Israelites when they passed into the promised land that when they harvested, they were to bring the first fruits of their first harvest unto the Lord. And so here, this is commemorating God's faithfulness and bringing them from a land of bondage into a land of freedom, coming from death into life. And the scripture declares that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. He was the first to go through from death into life. And when we believe in Jesus, we all get to join him. Isn't that amazing? He's the fulfillment of the Feast of First Fruits. Now, we're studying right now the Feast of Pentecost. And what this celebrated was the giving of law to Moses at Sinai. I told you already, it's the fulfillment of the Harley bar, uh, harvest, the, the barley harvest, and the anticipation of the wheat harvest. This is what they're doing. They're waving these loaves. It celebrates the giving of the law. Now, here's what's amazing. This is a harvest festival 
And when the Holy Spirit came and fulfilled this festival on Pentecost, there was a harvest of souls. People started getting saved like crazy. The fulfillment was when Jesus sent the Spirit to the earth. Are you following me? Now, those feasts have been fulfilled. There's still yet three feasts that are unfulfilled, but Jesus will fulfill these as well. There's the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets commemorated the leaving from the Promised Land, and when they were wandering throughout the Promised Land, waiting where they should settle in the wilderness, the leaders would sound a trumpet signifying that all of the people needed to gather because we're about to leave. Not only that, once they got to the tabernacle days and once the temple was established, the high priest and the priest ministering in the temple would blow the trumpet signifying to the workers out in the fields that it was time to come to worship the Lord. Now Jesus fulfills this as well. He'll fulfill this at the rapture when that last trumpet is blown and God gathers together his people and he says the work is done it's time to come and worship you see now that's the fifth the sixth one is the day of atonement that feast will be fulfilled throughout the tribulation and at the second coming of Christ during the day of atonement there was a sacrifice given that would appease God's wrath for yet another year God will pour out his wrath upon an unbelieving world after the church is taken and so Jesus will fulfill that at his second coming. And the final feast was the Feast of Tabernacles, where they would set up these booths throughout the city of Jerusalem, celebrating the fact that God was faithful to them throughout the time in the wilderness, and God provided their shelter. And this is fulfilled when we're in heaven in the presence of Jesus, and we're tabernacling literally with God. All of the scripture is pointing to Jesus. The purpose for the book that you hold in your hand is to point you to Christ. God did not want you to be uncertain about the way that your sin and your death could be dealt with. So he gave us this book so that it would reveal to us our Savior, declare to us who our Savior is, and his name is Jesus. 350 prophecies all fulfilled. This is what Jesus said of himself in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or abolish the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything we read. Do you know him today? Is he your savior? Now, Pentecost also celebrates God's power. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I want to explain a couple of things about this power. First off, this power was promised. Jesus told the disciples that this power was going to come. He told them in Luke 24, 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from upon high. The word endued means to be clothed with, to be dressed in. That God wants to dress us in his power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts, the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it means not only that you have the Spirit living within you, but the Spirit is all over you. You're clothed in the Spirit. The first thing that people see when they look into your eyes is they see the Spirit of God. That's what I want in my life. I don't want the Spirit to just dwell within me. I want the Spirit to be all over me. 
Does anyone else feel the same? Now, the Spirit produces life. The Spirit produces life. We, we read a couple of weeks ago about the, the army of dry bones and how Ezekiel prophesied to that army of dry bones and they stood a, an army and flesh came upon the bones. And then he prophesied to the Spirit and the Spirit came and filled them. They were made alive in that moment. They were brought to life. They were ready to do what God wanted them to do. Jesus himself, when he was about to depart in John chapter 20, he said this. He says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I send you also. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. Their spirits were made alive. But at Pentecost, something different happened. Because they went from a place of being alive to actually living. If you're in Christ, if you believe Jesus is your Savior and you've repented of sin... You're spiritually alive, but a lot of you aren't really living. You're not really experiencing the power of God on a day-to-day -day basis. You're sitting in your comfortable chairs every Sunday. You check in and you check out. It's just like your job at work. You're on a time clock, and as long as you fulfill your time, you're happy. That's not living. You may have life in you, but you're not really, truly living. God wants you to really, truly live today. That's why in Acts chapter 2, we see this, what happens to the early church. We see this power come in a way like we had never seen before. Read with me Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And we'll look at that in a second. Suddenly there came as a sound from heaven, as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was the moment. This was the moment the promise was being fulfilled. This was the moment the church was being clothed with the Holy Spirit. This was the moment when it went from being just the Spirit in us to the Spirit upon us and all over us. And this is the Spirit, the same Spirit God wants us to live in today. So the amazing happened. Fire came, wind came, and everyone began to speak in tongues the way God wanted them to speak. And everyone heard the gospel, the good news preached in their own language. And listen to what it says, verse 5. There were dwelling in Jerusalem devout Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. They were all there for the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost. So Jews from all over the nation, they're here in Jerusalem. When this, this sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were amazed. Literally, they were in awe, and they marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, or Pontus and Asia, Phygeria, Pam Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Verse 12. So they were all amazed or in awe and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Still others were mocking, saying they're full of new wine. Literally, they're drunk. 
They're drunk. That's the only explanation that I could possibly give. They must be drunk. Look at how Peter responds. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk as you suppose, literally, He's saying they're not drunk the way you think they're drunk. Because they are drunk. But they're drunk with the Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit. The Spirit has taken control. And he goes on. He gives an amazing sermon. He says, this is what Joel has been prophesying about. This is what David had been talking about. All of this time, this is what David was doing. Don't you see? This is God's Spirit coming. God's Spirit descending. Look at, skip down with me to verse 39. He says this, for the promise is to you and to your children, to all those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. He preaches this sermon and he says, this promise is for you. Verse 40, in many other words, he testified and he exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3000 souls were added to them. Is that not amazing? 3,000 souls were added to them. Remember what happened when the law was given? What happened when the law was given? 3,000 people died. What happened when the spirit was given? 3,000 people found new life. Why? Because the spirit, the spirit produces life. It produces life in the believer. It fills you with life. Here's what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3, 6. It says that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the Spirit of life is in Christ Jesus. He has made us free from the law of sin and of death. My friends, if you want life, you have to be living in the Spirit. Maybe you have life inside of you, but you're not really, truly living. God wants to set you free from that today. He wants you to leave this place feeling more alive than you've ever felt before because you not only have the spirit in you, but you have the spirit upon you. So it celebrates God's power, this power that was promised, but also this this power which produces life. But then also Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost celebrates God's people. It celebrates the birth of the church. This is the day the church was born. Look at Acts chapter 2 with me one more time. It says here, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that they were all with one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. The birth of the church, the day the Spirit came upon the church, and the church started making a difference in the world. Now, here's the thing. As God's people... If we want to live the way the early church did, if we want to have the same impact on our communities and upon our world the way the early church did, we have to strive to maintain unity as a church. Did you see there it said that when they were all with one accord in one place? When it says one accord, it's really speaking of having one mind. It means a unity. Listen to this. I love this definition. It means to hold a common interest rather than holding on to personal feelings. It means to maybe give up 
some ambition or some desire that you have for the good of everyone else. Now, here's the thing. This is different than socialism or communism, right? That socialism says what's yours belongs to me. What's yours is mine. What this says, when the spirit comes, that person says what mine is, what's mine is yours. I want to share. I'm giving up a piece of myself so that we can all be together and live powerfully under the power of the spirit. You see the difference? So it says here in Acts chapter 2, skip down to verse 42 with me. It says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. After this amazing preaching that Peter did, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and they all had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided amongst all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Every day, more and more people being added to the church as the church was birthed. Why? Because the church was together. The church had one heart. The church had one mind. That heart beaded together. And that heart... That heart was tender, and it was moldable, and it was shapeable, and that heart wanted to see the world one for Christ. And it put aside all other ambitions so that the gospel could be preached, so that the gospel could penetrate hardened hearts and hardened soil. Its purpose, that one's heart's purpose was to see Jesus glorified so that people could be saved. Is that your heart this morning? Is that where you're at this morning? Because people were being saved left and right because these people were together in one accord. Now, let me point this out because if you read Acts 3 and chapter 4, read that later on tonight. But if you read that together, you'll see how Peter and John, they go towards the temple and there's a man who's crippled and they raise him up. And because of the amazing miracle, this man who was crippled from birth that, that they heal and he's jumping and praising God. They're given another opportunity to preach. So they preach the gospel powerfully. The Jews in the city recognize what's going on. They're disturbed. So they arrest Peter and John. They bring him aside. They say, you're not allowed to preach in this name anymore. They threaten them harshly. If you continue preaching in this name, you will be punished. There are consequences to pay. But the scripture says that after they were treated harshly, after they were threatened, that they left. And this is what happens in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported to all the chief priests and the elders what they had said to them. And they heard that. They raised their voice to God. There it is again. With one accord. And they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And they prayed this amazing prayer for boldness, that they would preach more boldly in the name of Jesus, that more people would be healed, the more signs and wonders would happen. And they were, again, it says that they all came together and they shared in everything. You see, God's power shows up when we come together as a people, when we keep ourselves in unity of one accord. And that happens in a more intimate way when we're facing persecution. Why is the church so powerful in places like China, in places where radical Islam is taking over? 
because we put all of our petty differences aside as believers. And it doesn't matter if you pray in tongues or don't pray in tongues. It doesn't matter if you sprinkle or if you immerse. It doesn't matter. All of those doctrinal differences matter less when your life depends on it. And the people come together and they live with one heart and they just want to see Jesus lifted high. And that's what was happening in the early church. And if we want that same kind of power, that same kind of unity today, we can't be afraid of persecution. How many of you guys have seen the Captain America movie? Yeah, some people. You can admit it. I saw it. It's okay. You're not going to lose your salvation. Not today. How about the Batman versus Superman? Yeah. So there's a theme in those movies, right? And if you come away from it and you take away, you peel away all of the special effects and all of the storyline, really at its core, the plot is this, that these two differing sides, they have differences of opinion. They don't get along. They have to come together so that they can defeat a common enemy. Do you understand? It's the same thing we need to be as believers. Baptists and Pentecostals, we need to come together because we have the same enemy that we're fighting. Now, there are doctrinal things that we have to stand our ground on. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Amen. We can't compromise on that. Anyone who says differently is a false teacher. But these little issues, God's spirit is being grieved and quenched because we can't come together. We need to recognize we have a common enemy, and then we need to set out and show the world that we can come together. And when we do, listen to what happens in Acts chapter 5. I love this text. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might Fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. The church was used powerfully because they maintained their unity. Do you see? Psalm chapter 133. Let me read this psalm to you. David says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. You parents in this room, no matter how old your children are, doesn't it bring joy to your heart when you see your children getting along with one another? Is there a burden so big as those moments when you see your children not getting along? It's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. The Scripture says, How good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. That's blessing. That's a blessing to God. It says it's like the precious oil on the head of Aaron running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. When God sees his people come together, he pours out the oil of his spirit upon the head and it runs down the beard, and it saturates the entire body. God's Spirit is poured out when the body comes together in unity as one. Can you see that this morning? 
and the oil drips down the beard, down the shoulders, saturates the body, down to the toes, and the Holy Spirit is all over the entire body. That's the way I want to live my life. That's the way I want to walk in the Spirit. So the church has to maintain unity, but in order to do that, let's be honest, we have to maintain our mercy. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.